The Patriot and the Preacher, where politics and religion do mix, starts right now. Here are your hosts. Welcome, everybody, to The Patriot and the Preacher. I'm your Patriot, Mark Anthony. This is Todd Coconato, the Preacher. And Todd, we have another great show, if I do say so myself. We've got oh, yeah. some amazing guests, don't we? Oh, my goodness. I am excited about today's show, Mark. We have somebody that is timely because of what's going on with law enforcement and and really the bad rap that they're getting right now. And I think you and I both support law enforcement. I know most of our listeners do. And so we have somebody that has been in law enforcement uh, for over 30 years. His name is Adam Davis, and he has a book out called Behind the Badge, 365 Daily Devotions. And so he's going to sit down with us and talk about what propelled him to write this book and his, and his opinion on what's going on within law enforcement and most recently what we've seen go, going on in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he, he has amazing information that I think everybody is going to want to hear uh, from a perspective of someone who understands, uh, you know, law enforcement methods gets, you know, into the brain of law enforcement. And he does an awesome thing. Uh, he's got daily devotions for law enforcement, which is so right. needed right now, Mark. Absolutely. I, uh, I hope that any of our listeners that are law enforcement will grab his devotional. I think it would, they'll find a lot of strength in it. Um, he even shares, the devotion for the day we talk to him. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there that he has to say. And we are really honored and proud that we are going to have as our second guest, Pastor Paula White Kane, who is the president's pastor. She's been his spiritual advisor for almost 20 years. And she's really going to help the listeners understand how she met him, how the relationship started to blossom over, over time and how close she is with him and who our president really is when it comes to the spiritual side of things and what's going on in the, in the um, administration and what they're up to. That's right. She gives a really great behind the scenes uh, story of the president's faith journey. And uh, a lot of this information I've never heard before, Mark, I don't know about you, but no new information from a different perspective that you're not going to hear on the mainstream corporate media. What a surprise, but you hear it right here on the Patriot and Preacher show. That's, uh, this is, uh, as a matter of fact, you were, you were saying before we interviewed her, there aren't many people she gives interviews to. And so we're really excited to have her. It's an honor to have her on. Uh, While all of this is going on, we really want to focus on the good in this country, what's going on, because there's a lot of fear out there. You and I have been talking to leaders across the country, Todd, and a lot of them are worried. I'm worried myself because we're seeing each and every day new stories pop up that just give us more than cause for concern. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody should be alarmed right now when we're seeing cities burning uh, across the country. We're seeing Antifa, who are basically communist uh, revolutionaries that are being funded and uh, organized through community organizers like the Barack Hussein Obama crowd. And uh, so I think everybody should be alarmed, Mark. But the good news is we do have a hope, and we always talk about that hope, which is found in Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and bringing this nation back to morality, common sense, and God's Word. And so that's, you know, we we like to bring that full balance here because although there are crazy things in our world, we do have a hope, Mark. We do have a hope. It's the same hope, by the way, that our founders had when they created this country. So we're going to we're going to stand firm on that. We want to ask you to stick with us between this break. We're going to be right back. Our guests are coming up. This is going to be one heck of a show. So stay with us. This is the Patriot and the Preacher. Well, I'm- 
Hey everyone, it's Mark Anthony. I want to talk to you about my pillow because it's truly changed my life. I've had over seven spinal surgeries on my neck and back, and I've never been able to get a good night's sleep. But after trying my pillow, I'm getting the best night's sleep that I've ever had before. Trust me, my pillow has made a believer out of me. I never go anywhere without it. Look, this company has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow has an amazing offer for our listeners, and if you call 800-851-9287 and use the promo code MARK, you can take advantage of special offers on all of their products. Call right now, 800-851-9287, and use the promo code MARK. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain with the 60-day money-back guarantee. Trust me, my pillow will make a believer out of you. And you know that jingle. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Don't forget to call 800-851-9287 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code MARK. Welcome back to the Patriot and the Preacher. Todd, we have a couple of things to cover because we have two important guests that we're giving a lot of time. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard this. You know, Chick-fil-A has been a company. Yeah, you know what I'm going to bring up. So Chick-fil-A has been a company that has always stood for Christian values. They're not open on Sundays. They They have given to Christian causes. But I think that the founder is probably rolling over in heaven right now, not in mm-hmm. his grave because we know he's in heaven, but his son, Dan Cathy, uh, he, I've just got it. This is what he said. And I, it, the reason I'm bringing this up is this is happening. It's going to go into the other stories we're going to talk about. Right. But he said, we as Caucasians until we're willing to pick up the bat- baton and fight for our black African um, American brothers and sisters, uh, which they are as one human race, we're shameful. Our silence is so huge at this time, he said, channeling the far left refrain that silence is violence. We cannot be silent. Somebody has to fight, and um, and God has so blessed our city. It's shameful how we let things get out of whack. Mm. And so um, he's become one of those apologetics. And by the way, it came out, you probably saw in the article that I guess about a year and a half ago, he bought all of his employees' uh, brushes so they could shine the shoes of, mm. of black African Americans. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we already have talked about this. We're at a serious crossroads. Everybody is bowing literally and figuratively to BLM. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Butterworth's is on the chopping board. Uh, yeah. Cream of wheed is on the chopping board. Aunt Jemima. Um, the list Rice Krispies. Rice Krispies, snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> How, it's not funny, though. It's really not. It's really not funny. And, and it's getting to the point where you're going to say, at what point does this stop? It's not going to stop, by the way, unless we do something about it. Many people, look, you and I have documented on the show that BLM is getting money directly from George Soros, Open Society. Right. You're getting money from Hamas. And the most recent is that this video is going around, which I know you've seen, but Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors confesses to be a trained organizer and a trained Marxist. Yep. 
Yeah, no surprise there. I mean, we already know that they're connected with Hamas. And like you said, and, uh, you know, Soros, Open Society, Act Blue, uh, you know, anybody that doesn't realize this is highly organized and coordinated. And uh, we mentioned this in a previous show, but I'll say it again. These types of protests and organized events don't just happen organically. There's, you know, there's just no way. If you ever organized a birthday party, Mark, you know how hard it is to get 20 people to come out, right? So right. think about it all over the country and all the things that we've seen in the last few weeks that doesn't just happen Mm -hmm. yeah and you know uh we talked about this right before we walked into the studio this is a symptom of the of the snowflakes who are now graduated from college and now they're offended by everything why because they were told too much that they were special and that their feelings mattered it's not based on facts anymore because we even have republicans republican leaders bowing to this BLM nonsense that's going on right now, how it is that they could deface a statue of Abraham Lincoln, who is the president that freed slaves. That's right. That's right. When there's a statue in Seattle of Lenin, no surprise, at Chapastayan, and, uh, and the mayor and governor are allowing it to happen there in Washington. This is only really a sign of things to come. It's already out of hand. It's already to the point where lawlessness is being promoted because Look, you and I have seen the comparison in articles. It's okay for those people to go out and protest, but the moment the president wants to have a rally, right. we yeah. should all be afraid. Everybody's concerned. Well, yeah. And I want to go back to Dan Cathy real quick because people don't understand. And, you know, there's this over, um, you know, I don't think any man, let me just tell you this. If somebody wanted to come and, and bow down in front of me or do that, I would tell them, you know, I, you don't need to do that. I, you know, bow before Jesus Christ. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And there shall be no other gods before him. And so we shouldn't be bowing down to anybody. And, you know, obviously we're, we're against things that happened, uh, you know, a generation ago that were awful in our nation. Uh, but those things aren't happening right now, Mark. And, uh, you know, this is a great, I mean, we have the best country in the world, more opportunity here for anybody. Like you mentioned recently, somebody from China or, you know, India or where they could come here and have nothing and establish a business and become a millionaire within a few years. That's why people are trying to get into our country still till today. So we don't need to go on a, a Obama apology tour about America. And, we, and that's really we certainly what don't become. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's pathetic. And, you know, I, I tell you, if I turn into one more live stream of a social justice warrior uh, Christian church, I'm going to throw up because that's not who we are, Mark. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. And I'm sorry, I, I'm not here to hurt anybody, but I'm just being honest and real. We need to get out of this. This is an assignment of hell. It is an assignment of hell. And you know what? This entire nation has been brainwashed to be to have white guilt because of supposed white privilege that doesn't exist. And right now, they are doing everything in their power and from hell, like you said, to try their best to divide this nation. That's what's happening. They had, they had us locked in for COVID. Then the riots are going on nationwide. A dealership, a Mercedes-Benz dealership two nights ago was burned to the ground. Hmm. Why? No reason why. Because they felt like doing it. Not That's because right. there's no symbolism. By the way, somebody brought this up. I think it's a great example. You know, Muhammad owned slaves. So should we burn yeah. down all the mosques? Oh, don't go there, Mark. Don't but, yeah, go there. I know. I know. <laughs> and, you know, because it's, it's, we have gone to the point, we want to make sure everybody feels comfortable. You know, Todd, you and I know there are uncomfortable times in our lives and when and things aren't going the way we want. And what we have going on now is a temper tantrum. Yeah. And these, uh, these grown-up snowflakes are 
a very vulnerable vessel they've been shown to, to be pawns for Antifa and BLM. That's what's happening. Oh, yeah. And, you know, again, we got to take it to the root. It's a spiritual thing that's happening in our country right now. And you're going to hear Paula White really break this down. But, you know, this is the dynamic right now. You know, there's wickedness. I was at dinner with my wife. We were talking about this COVID-19 wickedness. This is wickedness that's come in to, to you know, subvert our, uh, our freedoms, the Constitution. And uh, it's a sedition. It's a, it's a form of sedition, uh, uh, you know, that's trying to come into our society, take away our constitutional rights, take away our freedom. And, and anybody that's a person that knows the Constitution or knows the Word of God, even more importantly, you understand that. You are feeling that. And you're not alone in feeling that because that's what's happening. This is wickedness, Mark. It is wickedness. And, you know, just as one last example before we go, again, we're seeing the, the just the, um, it's, I don't know what to call it, except for the fact that it's it's blasphemy in a way. You know, the NBA coach, Greg Popovich, said the flag is irrelevant. It's just a symbol. And that is sad that you're hearing somebody that has benefited from this country. He gets to coach a basketball team for a living. And he's calling that flag that's behind you right now, behind all of us right now, irrelevant. It is the most relevant thing on this earth. Yeah, the symbol of the flag, which stands for freedom, our constitution, uh, the many men and women of all races that have died for our freedoms, Mark, that we have today, that we can have religious liberty and freedom. I don't have to, you know, when I preach a sermon, I don't have to have somebody going through my sermon, like in China, you know, where we have Not to be yet. underground church. Exactly. But that's what's at stake. And this is why we need to really understand how late the hour is and, and what we're fighting for, Mark. Yeah, we better stand up right now. We're going to be right back with our two amazing guests. This, this police officer is going to blow you away. And right after that, Paula White Kane will be joining us. Stay with us. Mr. President, welcome to the show. I love the name of your show. I will be a good Christian. You're going to be very proud of me, and I certainly will also be a good patriot. It's a great name for a show. I heard you have a great show, and thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. President. We appreciate that very much, and it has been an honor to have you on the show. Welcome back to The Patriot and the Preacher. Today we have joining us a former police officer. Um, He has a book out. His name is Adam Davis. The book is Behind the Badge, 365 Daily Devotions for Law Enforcement. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity. Well, we appreciate having you on as well. You were in, you were part of law enforcement. You were an FBI trained hostage negotiator and criminal investigator. So Adam, you, you were behind the badge many, many years and you've been watching what's happened, not only in Minneapolis, but also in Atlanta. First of all, what, you know, motivated you to write this book for uh, law enforcement? Well, it was uh, shortly after uh, the events of Ferguson happened and, and uh, just wasn't a lot of basically like right now, there was not a lot of uh, positive news coming out. Who's going to speak up for cops. Who's going to stand up for cops. Who's going to speak life to them? who's going to encourage them. Uh, a lot of people are afraid to do that. Uh, and so I, I wrote and self published a book in 2015, early 2016, some of that time frame, And uh, about a year later, a publisher found me and asked me if I'd be willing to do a daily a devotion for law enforcement and it was really based out of uh, my experiences when i was active in law enforcement that uh couldn't find a resource that uh, really applied to what i went through and where i was at a lot 
And so I wanted to write something that would be applicable to where I was at. So I wrote a book for law enforcement from the heart of a cop and, uh, you know, just something that would apply to where they are right now. And I think it's interesting if you go look at the title of today's entry, uh, wherever you're at. I mean, I, it's just they're, they're relevant to where they where the law enforcement officers are at right now. It's just so, so powerful. So what does what does today's entry say, Adam? It says, never out of the fight. And the scripture is from Psalm 103, 6. The word, or excuse me, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Uh, the prayer is, Heavenly Father, give me another flicker of fight. Give me one more arrow with more accuracy, more wisdom in the sermon than those who seek to destroy me. Strength to face whatever may come. And uh, I think that that is just so applicable in the events that are going on in, in Atlanta and across the country. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's time for the silent majority uh to speak up and be heard uh, otherwise it's the voice of of uh of a few that are taken and running with you know running away with things and i think that that we need to let people know that we support law enforcement i don't think we even have to preface it by saying well uh, except for bad cops i mean I, I think that's a given right i mean we support human beings except criminals we want them to be held accountable um, you know, and, and stop grouping people together and let's take some uh, individual responsibility for our actions. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, Pastor Todd here, I want to thank you for your service to our country, man, and thank for you. all the work that you're doing thank out you. there. Yes, sir. And, you. Uh, you know, I have a lot of friends in law enforcement and they're across the country. And I will tell you that I'm hearing a similar message right now where there is a discouragement in the law enforcement community. They're, they also feel like uh, they have their hands tied. They feel like they're being singled out. And one of the things that really disturbs me is only a few weeks ago when COVID-19 was in its full, you know, uh, at the apex, uh, everybody was hailing uh, first responders and law enforcement. So quickly we oh, forget. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so quickly we forget. Yes. And so, you know, you mentioned this and, and it's true. There's a silent majority and it seems that the propaganda of the mainstream corporate media is kind of yeah. leading the charge here uh, against the majority. And so uh, yeah. what is your message? I love that you have the devotionals. What is your message to the discouraged officers out there that are serving tirelessly yeah. in the community? Yeah. Uh, well, let me take one step back. And that step is that Satan uses uh, you, you don't hear Satan speak. If you close your mouth and listen, you don't hear the voice, an audible voice of Satan speaking. He uses the mouths of men and women. He uses the resources that God has equipped us with. And right now, he's using men and women to speak pure evil and hatred and divisiveness. And it's pure ignorance, and it makes no sense. So uh, you are an extension of the hand of God. When you choose to serve the King of glory, when you choose to respond, to the call of the great shepherd, uh, you are responding on, under his authority. Just like if a, if a sheriff come along and deputized you, that's what Jesus did for us. He's deputized us with, a, with heavenly authority to walk this earth in a place that's full of evil and uh, hold the line, you know, and hold the line and stay encouraged and remember who you're fighting for. Remember that it's not for the people around you. Uh, remember, it's not necessarily for uh, for people to even know, but you need. Uh, we have to. We have to be willing to step up and speak up. Uh, I was talking to some pastors recently. They're they're afraid to speak up in support of law enforcement in fear of backlash. What? Where? Where? Where are the men and women of God willing to stand up and speak up for America? 
Where are the men and women of God willing to call people back to the altars where, where America needs to be right now? That's my question is where are the courageous men and women? Hmm. And uh, I back the blue and I back law enforcement. But most of, most of all, I'm here under the authority that Jesus has given me in his word. And the message is sin is the problem and Jesus is the answer. Amen. Amen, Adam. Adam, if you, you've watched the recent events, obviously, in, in what happened yeah. in Minneapolis, and I know you were outraged as the rest of the country was. Oh, my goodness. We saw that <laughs> video. Um, I'm sure even more so because you've been in law enforcement so long and you've seen good and bad cops, I'm sure, in your career. But mm-hmm. let's, let's go to Atlanta because we just saw that the district attorney is filing charges against that officer. What is your, what is your opinion on those events from the video you've seen and the information yeah. you've got? It's, it, first of all, it's, it's, uh, it's tragic that a life was lost. It's always, it's always tragic. I, I don't care what the case is. It's always tragic when a life is lost. Okay. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to downplay that. I don't want to demean that in any sense. Um, but at, at the same time that officer did, uh, exactly what and i don't know the policy of the atlanta police department but i know what uh what i was trained to do and i know what our policy was and i think that he needs to he's got a great attorney i believe and uh he needs to probably somewhere in the future get him a wealth manager because he's going to be one of the richest men in the world because he's got one of the greatest lawsuits against the city of atlanta waiting to come and uh you know he he did what he was supposed to do and what that district attorney did was pure political uh, or judicial overreach. It's, it's prosecutor, prosecutor overreach. And uh, he needs to, that, that DA needs to be held accountable. And, uh, you know, I don't think that'll ever stand up in court. But uh, props to the Atlanta PD for those guys for, for having the backs of their officers. And, you know, we need to be, we need to be con- concerned about the, the, uh, the future of law enforcement because there's going to be a lot of good men and women they may not quit, but they're going to go ahead and retire. And who who in their right mind is going to willingly go into this? Uh, those will be those will be the ones that we need to be applauding. Also, is men and women who are still interested to answer on the call. We have to have good men and women answer the call. Uh, but what's happening in Atlanta will have far-reaching impacts in law enforcement across the country. We know that God is a God of order, and uh, the the law enforcement brings order to the community, and without the law enforcement, there's chaos. Without uh, law enforcement in the community, you know, it doesn't matter. And by the way, uh, Adam, you know, the police officers I know are so diverse. I mean, it's not even, you know, it's it's the most ridiculous thing for them to, to, to say that, you know, police officers have any you know, with race, because I know police officers of every race, color and creed, and uh, they're a diverse band of brothers and and sisters in law enforcement, and it's just ridiculous. It's a false narrative, and uh, I have a friend, uh, you know, in Los Angeles, they're trying to take out the school police now, uh, you know, going after trying to defund the police department in, in New York City. Uh, Mark and I both have, uh, you know, ties to New York. We, we know New York City. God forbid that city police department is defunded. I mean, it, it cannot happen. And yet this is what's happening no. <laughs> in America today. I mean, this is unbelievable. This, it's it's let, really let unbelievable. Me, yeah. The, the voice of the church, the voice of, of, of the majority of American citizens needs to be heard right now. Because let me tell you something. If you think for one moment that the wolf is going to stop when he moves the sheepdog out of the way, you're badly mistaken. Uh, he's not going to stop with, with defunding law enforcement. He's not going to stop with moving the police officer out of the way. He's coming after you. He's coming after your family. He's coming after everything you got. He's coming after your way of life and your peace of mind. And he's not going to stop there. Just like Satan's strategies, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. 
But Jesus has come that we might have life to the fullest. And the only way we can have life to the fullest is when we abide by the commandments and the truth that he's given us in his word. Same thing applies here in this world. The only way that we can have life to the fullest is walk with him and have some law and order. And the only way we can have law and order is to have a system of of men and women who are willing to enforce that law and uphold the law. And the people that are wreaking chaos and havoc across the country, I'm not talking about peaceful protests, peaceful protests for whatever cause you want. But the people that are wreaking havoc and and, uh, chaos around the country, they need to be held accountable. And these folks that are not enforcing the law, uh, DA's offices that are dismissing charges on looters, they need to be held accountable. Yes. And it's time that Americans stand up to this mess and uh, let their voices be heard. The silent majority cannot wait until November to let the voices be heard. It needs to be heard now. That's right. No, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Because I think a lot of people brought up a good point, Adam, because a lot of people are waiting until November and things are yeah. deteriorating day by day that people are assaulting they are. police. They don't care. They're doing whatever they want. And when you look at the last two events, two very different events, but now the police are being second guessed in every move they make. It's going to affect, right, the way that they oh, yeah. perform their jobs. And that's scary because it makes it then unsafe for them and the citizens, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. And we have to have communities that surround the law enforcement and say, hey, you know what? Do your job. We got your back. Uh, yes, we're going to hold we're going to hold people who do in law enforcement. If they do, do the wrong thing, they break the law, violate uh, constitutional rights. They'll be held accountable. Uh, we're not dismissing that. Uh, that's always been the way it's been. Uh, has there been corruption in law enforcement? Yes, there's been corruption, but it's being addressed. It's been addressed, and it'll continue to be addressed. But let me tell you something. Uh, life without law enforcement, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. There's not enough insurance policies in the world to cover the damage that will be done in, in this country. Right. Yeah, agreed. We've already seen evidence of that across the country when the police are not present. And the name of your book is Behind the Badge, 365 Daily Devotions for Law Enforcement. Adam, we really appreciate you coming on the show and thank you again for your service to our country. Adam, Uh, thank you for having me. God bless you, brother. Thank you. You too. Hi, this is Joe Bonzel with the Oak Ridge Boys, and every Saturday I'm listening to The Patriot and the Preacher. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Welcome back to The Patriot and the Preacher. We have a really exciting guest joining us today. She's the spiritual advisor to President Donald Trump. Pastor Paula White Kane, welcome to the show. So great to be with you guys. Excited to uh, talk to you and all your listeners. Excited to have you. Definitely. You know, before before we delve into what you're working on right now, give the listeners an idea. You have known President Donald Trump and his family quite some time. Um, bring, give everybody some background because I think that very few people have an idea of the of the longevity of the relationship you have with him. Absolutely. Uh, Todd and Mark, it's pretty amazing. I've had the wonderful honor and privilege of being really an integral part of the family for 19 years. 
And how that came about is a pretty epic story. I was in my office and they said, uh, Mr. Trump's on the line. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> if it was the apprentice, I might've been like, you're fired, you know? And I said, uh, they go, no, for real, Mr. Trump's on the line. And we have a lot of fun. And I, I thought they were playing around with me. Well, sure enough, I pick up the phone and that distinguished voice is on the line. And he said, uh, Paula, he said, I've been watching you on Christian television. Wow. And he said, you have the it factor. And I said, oh, sir, we call that the anointing. So that was our hello, you know, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> and it uh, started out as a great conversation. But I've got to tell you, I was extremely impressed. And this is one of the things and characteristics of our president. Now, little did I know that it would come uh, to where we are today. But he began to almost verbatim repeat to me three of my sermons wow. on value of vision. I was on 47 different networks, cable broadcasts, et cetera, at the time. And, and we had a very large church, 28,000 members. And I thought to myself, man, he listens better than most of my congregation. And then the conversation, just one thing led to another. And really, it was quite extensive of uh, opening up his life, where, how he was confirmed Presbyterian, how his mother was a very strong, godly, praying woman. Um, he would go to Billy Graham crusade with his dad. He loved, he would talk to me about preachers he'd listen to. I was pretty intrigued. Like he's listening to these pastors and preachers and he would listen to Billy Graham and then even a Jimmy Swaggart. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, theologically there's different as can be kind of one's really grace and mercy. One's hellfire and brimstone. I'm going, but what, what's the commonality? They both passionate, you know, he loved that passion and that spirit. And so as he told me this, he said, are you in New York? And I happened to be doing a Bible study for the New York Yankees at the time, went up and I really felt that I can't say this with every, I mean, I've, I've been from in the, you know, my, most of my work started in DC with an advocate by the name of Mitch Schneider, who has feeding the hungry and the homeless and uh, working the inner city uh, all throughout 36 years of ministry and in 120 countries. And, you know, whether I've been at a celebrity's ranch or I've been sitting next to a homeless person, that's been the diversity of my life and my ministry. But with Mr. Trump, then now President Trump, I really felt when I say God spoke to me, it wasn't an audible voice, but I felt like the Lord said, and this is in no way to minimize at all his walk of faith and who he is as a, as a Christian and a believer. But I felt like God said, show him who I am. And from that day on, mm. I began to fervently pray over him 19 years ago. Wow. And um, I had a big church up in New York. So I was often there. I'd go in and, you know, he said, if you're in town, come by. And I've lived there, had a place there since 2003 or four. And so often I'd be in the city and, and he'd say, stop by. And, and I thought I'll stop by 10 minutes and he's going to kick me out of my office, but he out of his office, but he has a very open door policy and you'd go in and, and I just sit there and I was mesmerized by really his way of thinking. And I watched him do many deals, watched how he handled people, watched how friendly he was, watched, um, just the way he thought because, uh, he was very strategic. He's very, uh, he's a history buff. He is a really great listener, very compassionate. And I became the person in his life that, you know, not too many people were coming, telling him about God at the time, uh, but a lot of people were coming and asking for money. And he's a very generous man, very, very generous and a patriot to the core. I mean, whether he was fighting for his flag in Mar-a-Lago and, you know, throwing down a lawsuit then 
and say, no, you're not going to take my flag down. Or, you know, he just, he cared. And he would ask me about ministries and say, Paula, you know, they've asked me for X and, and should I give this? And I realized, you know, I've never received a dime from him. God told me, don't ever take a dime. Wow. Um, I walked in the second time I met him. I said, I don't want your money. I don't want your fame. I have enough of my own. I want your soul. And I walked out and I, I don't know. It was just like this boldness that came on me and, and we laugh about it now kind of, but I think it was just kind of bold enough or crazy enough that, that, that he was like, I like this, this girl, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it, it was really just, uh, uh, honest, um, and myself in my own kind of small world, which was pretty big within its world. I, I knew what it was to lead a lot of people. And I just, for the family, got to know them, got to know the staff very well, became close friends. And, and, and as I'd watch him, I'll give you one example. Um, but like there was a preacher that he would watch on TV and he, his sister was a good friend of mine. We were up in New York and she goes, oh, I'd love to meet Mr. Trump. And I said, Oh, come on. He, he loves many people. So we went down and, and one of our dear friends were together. So I had two other people with me. We walked in and he was talking and conversing about a brother and his ministry, et cetera. And he turns over to Deborah and he goes, now, what do you do? And she said, oh, sir, I have a ministry to the prostitutes on the street. And hmm. I help um, really go out and do street ministry and help girls um, rehabilitate their life. And, and before she could even stop, he goes, Rona, Rona, bring me my checkbook. Wow. And cuts a $10,000 check there. And it was the first of many and that's just his heart i can tell you how many times he's shown up for people whether it was a staff person or somebody he cared about he would be the first person at the house when there was a death or the first person on the call and so i i've really gotten to see um him whether somebody said don't do this after he shook someone's hand he said but I shook their hand meaning like that's my word that's mm -hmm. that's a deal to me so when we begin to say promise made promise kept you know so many people campaigned on issues but we've seen a president that kept his word yeah. um, and a lot of people don't understand him as far as personality maybe if you're from New York um, you get that maybe that's they right. don't understand the the what they would call the brashness and you know, if you've ever read like Gary Chapman's books, if you if you're married and he's got books on what's called the five love languages, you know, you always yeah. want to know your partner's love language, like how they express it, because it might not be like yours. I say he's a man of action, and mm. when he cares about people, um, he takes action and he does. He's a solutions person, and so you'll see him as uh, what I would call a provider, protector. Um, now, in a presidential role, you see that a lot of people talk, but that he will do much more talking behind the scenes, actually, an incredible listener, and then come forth. Uh, he doesn't like grass grow under his feet. He's a solutions president. And you've seen it all over. If it's business deregulation, if it's Supreme Court justices, if it's within the church and fighting for religious freedoms, which is absolutely huge, unprecedented, both domestically and international, establishing the faith, um, you know, office back into the White House with the Faith Opportunity Initiative, whether it's prison reform, what he's done for historical black colleges. I mean, he's in there saying, Paula, and to all the rest, he said, why, why are you, like, he loved these guys. He said, why are you back again? He said, well, they said, well, we have to come back every year for our money. And he gave money for 10 years. You know, and, and people won't ever talk about all the things that he's done to resolve so many. Of course, we know um, 
it, it, just what he's done with so many people as far as uh, bringing back jobs and already coming through this crisis of COVID, we're, we're seeing reports of, of course, our jobs report came out great last, last month. I, yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be good again. It's my gut. I, um, you know, retail was up 17%. We're already seeing the signs of a recovering economy. And we know that if any president can do this, it is him. Um, from everything from infrastructure to you look at opportunity zones, people don't recognize the impact of opportunity zones. Hundred billion dollars poured into the it's private citizens that were created a vehicle to uh, create jobs and stability in the most distressed areas. The governors were able to look at their their states, and there's over eight thousand seven hundred opportunity zones that when it's materialized after 10 years, you're talking over a trillion dollars. Hmm. So I, mean, it, it, I could just go on and on about all the accomplishments that he's yeah. done. Uh, yeah. We just did something great with Farmers to Family. I love to talk about that. He carved out $3 billion within the CARES Act that was looking at, you know, when they were passing this and, and what it was is it was the most win situation because He's watched, he called, you know, Secretary Purdue right away and said, Sonny, we, we've got to do something. We've got to help these people, what we can we do and help our farmers and help businesses. So immediately, Senior Advisor Ivanka Trump, along with USDA and along with POTUS, organized. And I, I got to be right up in the middle of that with the faith uh, uh, base and with people, all people. When I say faith, I'm talking people of all uh, you know, different face. And what we were able to do immediately was um, with that, of course, they put the grantees out to suppliers. 1.3 billion went out immediately. And the press never talks about this. They'll talk about one person that gets, you know, a grant and they never say, oh, they got it right. And I mean, like we've seen, you know, they'll slam something and, and it's just so ridiculous what happens and what's said. But the bottom line is, like a, a senior advisor, Ivanka and I were in Pittsburgh um, at one of the, what they call pods, points of distribution um, that becomes a hub. So what happens is the farmers is a win for them because the food was able to get to the people, especially in that last mile. The suppliers, I heard a man that was the supplier for Pittsburgh. He said, my business, my family run business of 37 years we were about to lose everything. COVID had happened. Mm. I had all my accounts payable, all my employees, um, all my supplies, everything. And of course, everyone he supplied to, all the restaurants, everything was shut down. Yeah. So immediately through this, not only was his family business literally saved, but then they were able through mostly house of worships and not-for-profits and great organizations like World Vision and um, City Serve and Mercy Chefs and Rescue Missions and Catholic Charity and Islamic Relief and all of these different organizations, they were able to get to that last eight miles. So the people who really, really needed it the most. Mm -hmm. And then we're hearing from people, uh, we were just down in the valley, we see it here in Central Florida, and you hear families that say, I don't know how I would have made it through this. Yeah. And so, it, but, you know, it's not something the news is out there touting and reporting, but what did he just do with one stroke of the pen and one decision? He said, okay, we just helped our farmers. We helped our businesses. We partnered with uh, not-for-profits 
that know the community better than anyone. And we just took care from, it was from Indian reservations to the most distressed areas to that last mile um, in every single over right now, we've distributed over 20 million boxes of food and it's equivalent to snacks. So just one example of how our president works. That's awesome. Hey, Pastor Paul, I have a couple of questions from the audience that what they wanted me to ask. And so I took the ones that they asked the most. But the first thing we wanted to do is, is many, many people said thank you to you and make sure that President Trump knows we love him. We're with him. I know he doesn't always hear such good feedback, but there's many, many people that said that. So that was the first thing we wanted to relay to you. Um, thank you. And yes. I will relay that to him. Every time I do, he smiles really big. And, um, <laughs> It means the world to him. I tell him millions are praying for you and sincerely, uh, please keep that up because he needs it and he feels it. Yes. And that love means, means the world. Keep encouraging him because I will directly take that message to him. Thank you. Thank you so much because that is the truth and we do love him and uh, we pray for him every day. And I know many, many people, my mom has a prayer call specifically to pray for President Trump. So, you know, we know a lot of people in our life that are praying for him. Uh, one of the other big questions that a lot of Christians wanted to know, and you kind of mentioned a lot of this already, uh, but what is his spiritual life? So, you know, I know you're his spiritual advisor, you're around him. I mean, does he have a relationship? with the Lord? Is he being mentored? A lot of people wanted to know those types of questions. He absolutely does. He grew up in a very strong household of faith. And a lot of people don't, if you look at the formation of it, his mother, as I said, was a very godly, strong, praying woman. She had a lot of influence on him. So did his father, but in very different ways. Um, you know, his father, obviously a strong businessman. So if you look, I'd say two things really formed him a lot. Um, and that was his church life. And I'll go into the explanation of that and then bring that current. And also, um, I think military school had a lot of formation on him. You can see that. Yeah. Um, and, and his accomplishments, obviously, like I said, he, everyone knows he majored in finances, but, uh, history was a big part of his life and he's a history buff and that that you will see so let's talk about the faith um from his dad taking him to billy graham crusade to him being go going to saturday school sunday school in the presbyterian church and a lot of people don't understand the different ways of theology and 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 stuff so then they look the family made a move over to marble um collegiate which was norman benson pill a lot of people just think um the power of positive thinking or etc but they don't understand the fullness of norman benson pill mm -hmm. and i was impressed uh when that first conversation he began to tell me sermons like he went every sunday until he retired when he was 90 something years old he said it was one of the saddest days and to this day, it's, he said, you'll just, he goes, oh, he said, I would sit in church two hours and feel like it was 10 minutes, Paul. I just loved it. And I can tell you some um, stories in this, but it's very interesting. So Norman Vincent Peale, uh, think about this in New York. It was right after the Depression, a time when America was hurting, very despondent, hopeless in many ways, in the city that was to be the beacon of light and hope. And and I really believe God raised him up and used him to bring the gospel in modern day parables. So he would, uh, he was a masterful storyteller and relaying the gospel into those stories. So like President Trump or Mr. Trump then would tell me about, um, Miss Jim Sloan would tell me about how 
he would use the scripture and, and make him understand the scripture for that. So that had a lot of formation. And when you see how uh, some people would call it optimistic or positive, I mean, who would put up with the stuff that he and his family's put up with? He didn't need this. He doesn't get paid for this. He's a successful businessman. He had a phenomenal family, has a phenomenal family, uh, loving friends, relationships. I mean, you'd ask yourself why. I mean, but he believes so much in our country and so much in the goodness. And obviously there has to be something that's higher. You hear him say it all the time. We worship God, not government. You see it in his policy. You see it in uh, his expression, just like you see in all of us. So he, I remember the first time we were praying this whole thing. Let me go back to even when we prayed for him when he started in 2011 or so, he says, Paul, I'm really thinking about running for president. He said, would you, well, is a little bit before that for me, would you please pray? So we started praying. Then he says, would you gather some people around me to pray? I've got to make a big decision. So what does he ask for? He didn't ask for anyone's endorsement. He asked for prayer. And I had a group of maybe about, I don't know, 18 or 20. We were there at Trump Tower praying for six hours. Now, he wasn't in there the whole time, but he was in there a lot of the time. And then the next day I come and he said, Paul, what do you feel like God's saying? What, what? I said, you know, I, I feel like you're going to be present one day. There's something, you know, I, I didn't know. I didn't have like this word from God. I said, but I don't think it's the timing. And he said, me neither, me neither. Keep praying. So think about what I'm saying. For years, what was he saying? He wasn't out there trying to get public support or endorsements or fundraising or anything else. People forget he funded his own campaign. Yeah. He was praying. He was asking for prayer because he understood the power of prayer to bring the will of God to pass. What does he still seek? So the first time I think a picture went public of us laying hands on him and praying, the people are like, what is this that's going on? Like it was some strange occurrence. Um, not at all. It, this He is a man of faith. He has a relationship with God. He, you know, now do we all need more sanctification? Sure. <laughs> you know, do we all need more growth? And I will say this, that um, from that aspect, I will say uh, that early on in when he decided to run from politics, um, you know, he is a straight shooter you're gonna you're gonna hear him and I said you know you're a businessman and I saw them coming at him with a theological question mm. and I knew that he didn't know that this was a theological question and it was a complete setup and they it was over the communion they started asking him about wine because he doesn't drink and I'm like oh this is they're about to drop it on him and it'd be like asking me how to build a building I don't know how to build a building <laughs> right. you know and so right. I, I said look um Politics by its very nature is the system is designed to be very divisive and destructive, mm -hmm. the, the, the nature of it. Now, God can put good people, righteous people. We pray for that. We pray that all of our leaders will make uh, wise decisions, will walk in righteousness uh, so that we can live peaceably, Romans chapter 13. But I remember Governor Huckabee and myself were with him, and I highly recommended to him. I said, sir... Um, we started seeing some brutal things happening. I mean, early, early on in the campaign and I'd be in meetings or we'd be somewhere and then you'd watch a clip on TV that was just complete. I, I would go, if I wasn't just sitting there, 
I wouldn't be able to believe. I mean, it was crazy. It was so opposite and diabolical. It was just real, you know, even hard that to understand, like there was just absolutely no truth to it or, or such just to pick. So we highly recommend it to him in this arena to uh, keep faith very private and personal and hold it close because there are some situations that you walk out more privately than publicly because um, in an arena like this, I think, uh, you know, darned if you do, darned if you don't now. With that said, um, there's a whole lot that happens behind the scenes that faith plays such an important role to our president. Thank you, Pastor Paula. We really appreciate it. It was so nice to have you on. Thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you. Thank you. You guys be so blessed and thank you for all you're doing. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Mr. President, welcome to the show. I love the name of your show. I will be a good Christian. You're going to be very proud of me and I certainly will also be a good patriot. It's a great name for a show. I heard you have a great show and thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. President. We appreciate that very much and it has been an honor to have you on the show. And we're back with the Patriot and the Preacher. Todd, I want to thank both of our guests. They were both amazing. Yes, Adam is just the, he, doesn't he exhibit the best part of law enforcement? He's just he, a great man. He does. I mean, gosh, and he loves the Lord. He's got a great relationship with God. And you could just hear that fire, man, as he's speaking. And that's what yeah. we need right now, that encouragement. And uh, he has a heart to encourage those in law enforcement, which really need encouragement right now. They really do need encouragement. I, it, yeah. it was, it's already, as he pointed out, there were, Hundreds of hundreds of suicides every year. Um, So they already have a lot to to deal with. But I can't imagine being a law enforcement officer now. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's we're praying for you if you're in law enforcement. We just want to honor you and say thank you for your service. And you don't hear it enough, but we are so grateful. You keep our city safe, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, we're we're eternally grateful to you. Absolutely. And then we were honored um, to have Paula White Kane join us. And I think that you got to hear the first part of the interview. I want to remind the audience, she will, the second part of her interview will be next week. We're going to play that. You're going to even get to know her so much better because gosh, Todd, she shared much more than we thought she would. As a matter of fact, you and I agreed we weren't going to ask her about her personal life. That's right started to share she where she came started from divulging. Yeah. It's part her, of her testimony. And yeah. Just, you know, wow. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. It, it really, it really was amazing. And I think that hopefully the listeners got a better idea as well of who Donald Trump is. The president really is. And his actions um, just speak volumes. He has done everything for the Christian community. That's right. Um, and the most pro-life president we've ever had. And um, that's why we need to stand up in, in November because much more than we ever believed is at stake. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, President Trump is, is standing for religious liberties and freedoms. He's standing for our constitution. Uh, you know, he's already put out the other day that, you know, he's looking at a short list for uh, upcoming Supreme Court uh, nominees that he will appoint. And we know that the next election cycle, there's going to be, you know, two to three uh, for the next president. They're going to, they're gonna, you know, which we believe is going to be Donald Trump continuing, uh, is going to be able to appoint two to three um, Supreme Courts. So that's, that's huge. 
It is huge. You know, um, I wanted to throw this in there because we talked about the snowflakes and this, this uh, <laughs> triggered generation, if you will. And uh, the founders were bold and courageous men, obviously. Those, those men did the impossible and it was because of their faith. But if you wonder what they might be saying, first of all, they would just be more than grieving if they could see this country right now. It's not what they planned for. It's not what they fought for. But if they saw this hypersensitive society, Todd, that is offended <laughs> by everything that you can imagine, including syrup and cream mm-hmm. of wheat, and mm-hmm. and the list goes on and on and on, and pretty soon white bread's going to be outlawed. But oh boy, yeah. Well, hey, you might think I'm crazy for saying no, that. I but actually you, don't. I was thinking Cracker Barrel might go down next. You know? Yeah, exactly. White <laughs> Castle Burgers in <laughs> Vegas is going to have to change their name. But you know, if you wonder what they maybe they if they could could have a quick view into 2020. Thomas Paine said it best. He who dares not offend cannot be honest. So that says a lot. So we can't be honest. We can't tell the truth because it might offend somebody too bad. The truth is, is that we have got to stand up for the principles and the foundation of this country. It, what, it's what makes us the greatest nation on earth. And if we don't, at this point in time, today, and I mean today, we can't wait till November, we need to be standing up, lifting up our president and our leaders in prayer, praying that God heals this land because we need God more than we've ever needed him before. Oh, we're at a precipice moment. We're at a, uh, a really defining moment and crossroads in our country. And like you said, Mark, it's not even, I mean, yes, obviously November is huge and we need to vote. We need to vote for Donald Trump. I'm just going to be completely straight and honest. But but other than that, we need to be praying on our faces. Paula White Kane mentioned uh, repentance as a nation, uh, you know, really getting our heart in the right place. And either the wickedness and moral decay that's been going on for, for generations now, unfortunately, in our country uh, needs to be turned around. And we need to get our, you know, our eyes back on Jesus and the word of God and living righteous manner. And, you know, I'm going to preach that, you know, I, I know that, you know, what I'm talking about, Mark, this is what we got to do from the top of our rooftops at this point, preaching the gospel, Dude. getting people saved, set free, healed and delivered. Amen. So let's close this show out as we always do with the prayer for our listeners and our nation. Yes. Well, Lord, we thank you for a very powerful show, and we thank you that your anointing has been with us today. And Lord, we plead with you. We plead the blood of Jesus over our country as cities are still having issues with unrest. And, and, and there are people in Seattle right now trying to literally take over you know, six blocks of the city still. And uh, people are trying to get rid of flags and statues and so many things. It's a spiritual battle in our nation. And so we just pray right now, Lord, you give us the wisdom strength and uh, spiritual uh, understanding of how to move forward lord give us strategy give us wisdom and lord save our nation heal our nation and let our nation serve you in jesus name amen amen Amen. thank you todd we want to thank you all for joining us be sure to join us next week for the second part of paula white kane's interview and in the meantime keep praying for this nation and we'll see you next week this i'm mark anthony your patriot this is todd coconato the preacher Thank you for tuning in. God bless you.